Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Consumer, I wanted to compare Atari Asteroids with other companies' asteroids. But other companies don't make asteroids. I wanted to compare Atari Missile Command with other companies' missile commands. But other companies don't make that either. Finally, I wanted to compare the new Atari Warlords. Unfortunately, other companies don't make it. When it comes to the video games the world wants most, nobody compares to Atari. Listeners, and welcome back to another Arcade Attack podcast. So, it's me, Adrian, here hosting today's show, and we're going on a bit of an epic adventure. Before we go deep into this crazy adventure of ours, I want to introduce the rest of the crowd. So, we've got Keith in the house. Hello. And Rob, of course. Yo. And back by popular demand, (laughs) Keith. Hello, listeners. (laughs) I want to open the pod by asking a simple question. Do you guys have a favourite Easter egg in a game? Or can you remember any memorable Easter oh, eggs? I wish you'd asked us this before so I could have done some thinking. Like Monkey Island was just continuous Easter eggs. Quality game. Quality game. And there are some great sort of jokes in there, subtle jokes, <sighs> hidden sort of messages. What are counts as an Easter egg? Well, that, that's actually a question I wanted to ask because that's an interesting question itself. Is it... Is it a bonus? Is it... A... Not, well, I suppose, like, I don't know, things like uh, Bill Clinton in NBA Jam. That kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's just hidden loads. And... Yeah. Or, but they can also be like hidden little references yeah. to other games or popular culture. Or... Oh, all the Mortal Kombat stuff, like Ermac yeah. and that, that, that would be my favourite. Cool. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, Jude Lucas has got loads. We spoke about this before, but they yeah. got I think you can find the, the Marine, the, the, the Doom From Marine. From Doom, yeah, exactly, that, yes. that kind of thing. And yeah. the Skywalker dead in the floor. It's just, it, we love a good Easter egg, don't we? We do. Who... Who made the first ever Easter egg in a game? Yeah, was there an Easter theme game? And, uh, <laughs> it wasn't. And I, I, before we really kick off the real sort of crux, the real story... Are you going to explain where the term Easter egg came from yeah, as well? Yeah, I don't know who coined the phrase. Yeah. You know what, I don't know the answer to that. Oh, and I don't even know if the person that made the first Easter egg coined that phrase. I think Probably not. It must have been several before... Yeah. Well, it became a thing. The notion, right. obviously, yeah. being that Easter eggs is something you have to hunt for and find. Of course, of course. Yeah. Do you want to know who it was? Yes. Warren Robinette. Uh, and we've been lucky enough to interview him. He's been on the site. And he's quite... A, he's, he's a famous man. Anyone who is anyone has been on Arcade Attack. Exactly. It's Why true. didn't you ask him whether he coined the term <laughs> I didn't ask him that. I did ask him a few questions. Now, the first ever Easter egg in a game was in his game called Adventure. And may I ask who told you that it was the first Easter egg? Oh, it's just folklore, my friend. Okay, so it's allegedly... And I just want to remember where it came from him. 1979. This mm-hmm. game, Adventure, was made in 1979 on the Atari 2600. A very, very huge selling game. Those are the days where you could just... There have been so few video games, you could just call it Adventure. Mm-hmm. You didn't mm-hmm. have to come up with a snappy title. That was it, Adventure. It, like I said, well, exactly, and... 
I think uh, the reason why, I know why it came about. Do you want to hear why? Yes. Um, basically, in the game, there's like a, a grey dot. And I, apparently, I, I haven't actually played myself, I'll put my hands up. Well, this but, is really a <laughs> really low card. It's really And you can move this grey dot around. <laughs> if, you, if you move this grey dot, this tiny pixel to the right room, if you push it onto the right room, you'll, you'll have a secret message. And this secret message will literally display the programmer's name. Warren Robinette. Now, that may sound very little, mm. but back in those days, I'm talking the early Atari days, you weren't allowed to put your name on a game. They were not allowed, you're not allowed any credits. There's no, no name. Really? There's no credit, there's no programmer's names in any of these games. I think Atari wants to keep all the money. They do want to give out yeah. royalties. They want to keep the staff on the ground and you know, really take focus away from the programmers and more to the gamers. And I think Warren was going to be annoyed by that because he made this game pretty much single-handedly it was one of the, the most popular games in the Atari system, one of the most respected games. And he thought, hang on a minute, I've put my blood and soul into this game. And these, these are the days when everybody was making games. Well, so when you went into Smith's, um, um, basically you had shelves and shelves and shelves of games. Like, that's right, yeah. Well, I was going to say it's funny because you get that in so many kind of art forms, like right in the beginning. I mean, films, you had like the old-fashioned studio system, but before that... Like the days of silent films, you just have the same kind of actors being in every film, mm. doing the same thing. Like, it took about 20 or 30 years for the first name, quote unquote, name actor okay. to actually kind of emerge. I think it may have been Mary Pickford. I don't know, one of the, like, the old kind of silent stars. And then obviously Valentino comes in a little bit later. Same thing with music. Like, you have a lot of session musicians playing over the same tracks by similar singers. It's all kind of songwriter driven, and the songwriters all like working teams mm. and uh, like the record company pretty much owns everything everyone gets really small royalties and then eventually the artists the, like the creators actually kind of went out and start doing their own thing and making money and obviously like the actual big record companies film companies studios uh, video game kind of publishers have to fall in line fair enough well I asked that's a good point thank you Rob, I like that I asked him I said to him, and then feel free, there's a much bigger interview on the site, feel free to check it out. But I've got a couple of quick questions that I want to just read out now. A, f- a few quotes from Warren himself. I said, you are widely regarded as the first man to ever create an Easter egg in a video game. At the time, did this inclusion feel like a real game changer? And he said, there is a political story. The new owners of Atari, Warner, uh, Warner Corporations, were keeping all the Atari 2600 game designers anonymous. And the secret hidden in adventure was that I called my signature. The name Easter Egg was coined a year later when it was discovered and the public found out about it. There you go. Ah. I wasn't sure I wasn't sure anybody would ever find the secret in the game as it was well hidden. I wasn't sure that would happen. So he put this he never expect well, you can say that he wasn't expecting anyone to find it. But guys, you know, if you're if you're a young gamer, you're mm. gonna be playing around this game for someone must have stumbled across it and fair play to the person who found it. And I asked another follow-up question. Can you remember Atari's first reactions when they discovered you added in an Easter egg in Adventure? What do you reckon their reactions would be? Uh, maybe they <laughs> I reckon there was, you know, no Bush nor he can do no wrong in my eyes, but I, I can see his face turning red. What is this? How dare a programme put his name in the game? Do you want to hear his answer, though? Yes. He said, I asked him that question, you know, what's your, what, what was their reaction? And he said... I had already quit Atari by this time. <laughs> so the time, that's a great one. The time that it was discovered, you already left. Found it. Exactly. Yes. It's like kind of having, you know, just some putting uh, 
dead fish behind the radiator. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit like that. Now, talk, yeah, read the whole interview, but obviously Warren didn't feel completely respected at Atari. He's, he's a very, very talented man. He just he moved on, I think, to Activision and made other, you know, other really, really important games. Um, but you know what? I reckon Warren was probably the real reason why a certain quest happened. I think he got the cogs turned in Atari. I think, in a way, Warren's sort of rebel streak helped Atari um, uh, launch this huge quest called Sword Quest. Sword Quest. Are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. I'm so ready. My body is ready. A little bit of background information. Just a bit of the mind willing <laughs> A bit of background information. We're, back, we're now in 1982. So a few years later, 1982... Just to give you a bit of background information, Atari, as, as we said earlier, was owned by Warner. Now, Atari, uh, sorry, Warner also happened to own two other companies at the time, DC Comics hmm. and Franklin <laughs> Mint. Now, Franklin Mint were famous for their jewellers and golds yeah. and, you know, looking after... Like the plates, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, plates. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, right? Well, keep that in the back of your mind for now. They, um, they might come yeah. back into the story a bit later on. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to have to dish out the goodies on that one. Yeah, what's he like, eh? Um, Again, I I wasn't there. I was probably probably a baby at this time. I was 1982. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm assuming there was this big Atari meeting. You're like little Theo's age. (laughs) Yeah, good old Dylan, yeah, good old Theo. But I'm I'm assuming, again, this is me making this up probably, but I I reckon there was this big Atari meeting going, oh, look at this Warren and this this Easter egg. Well, he's put his name in the game. That's not supposed to happen. But then a certain department got involved, didn't they? The marketing department. And they thought to themselves, this is an opportunity. Our punters liked looking for this Easter egg. Once it spread, everyone who owned the venture wanted to find it. Can we twist this into a certain idea? So what what they come up with, um, they thought, let's channel this idea. They loved adventure. Let's try and make a kind of spiritual successor to adventure. Let's make some other games Mm -hmm. into it. But let's turn the games into a proper, fully-fetched quest. And not only will they make video games, they'll have colourful storytelling and real treasures to boot. Hmm. Interesting, eh? What do you mean, real treasures? I can't wait to hear what real treasures (laughs) and colourful storytelling actually entail. All will be revealed in the Sword Quest. So yeah, Sword Quest was born. Absolutely incredible. So yeah, Atari and... Commissioned, this is completely true. Atari commissioned five real life treasures to be made for prizes. For real prizes. How much do you think that these prizes would be worth? $100. A lot more. Wait a minute, each? Or... No, in total. So it's five prizes. How much do you think in total they'll all be worth? I would say, I think they're probably worth about $5,000 each, I'd say. But 25 maybe. A little bit more, $1,000. Do you know what? The total... I mean, I, the Atari were massive this time. They were, they were the big players. Yeah. You know, this is when they were at the big... Probably at, at their peak. They commissioned these five prizes to be worth in t- a total of $150,000. <laughs> wow. In 1982? Yeah. In 1982. Wow. Well, I'm really, I'm really glad that this is bound to succeed because... You know, video games are so popular, they're <laughs> going to go on forever. What could possibly go on? <laughs> I said it. How much, uh, how much did they gross on the video game? How much? Well, I, can, I, I can't tell you, I can tell you how many of the games sold later on. And 
and so forth. I can't tell you the exact numbers. Anyway, but... I'm really glad you just said that because now that uh, Dylan's gone, we can. I think we should adopt. The... <laughs> He's not saying. <laughs> now Dylan's gone, I'm not coming back. To... <laughs> I think we God should. Uh, ad- soul. I think we have to adopt the tactics of more successful podcasts and um, <clears throat> like and plug. You know, plug products every five minutes. Do you mean so? And come up with catchphrases <laughs> that we repeat every five or ten minutes. Okay. And Can we get like sponsorship deals? Yeah. By Wayne's World. What could possibly go wrong? The taste of a new generation. Back to Sword Quest. So, <laughs> this, this idea. Great, great segue there. <laughs> yeah. Back to, well, this is. I think it's one of the most ambitious, audacious. I use the word audacious. Um, nice, yeah. I think one of the most. Craziest ideas ever devised in a video game concept. I love it. I think it's amazing. Now look, I can see it now. Oh, let's make a few games. Let's put a few Easter eggs here and there. But this project expanded. It got bigger and bigger. You know, a crossover. And they were thinking, hang on a minute, DC Comics. We've got links to DC Comics. Let's bring our video games to DC Comics. Let's actually make video uh, comics for each video game. And obviously, we, we spoke about Franklin Mint as well. That is three worlds colliding. I mean, that is that is at the time that must have been incredible. I mean, fair play to them. Um, yeah. So look, did they put uh, all their Easter eggs in one basket? I think they I did. Say. I think they did. And I think that's a good one. We like that one. That's a cracking joke. Um, it's a cracker. No, no, no. I'll give you a very, very brief sort of background on how the games would work. I'll go into the separate games in a bit more detail, but basically. You would, you would buy the game. There's four games in total. We'll come to that in a minute. You, you buy the first game, for example, and you follow the clues in the game. You find out certain clues. You do certain things. And you get certain clues. And those clues will link to the, to the comic book. And if you can decipher these clues from the game with the comic book and get the proper sentence, you could then apply to actually win the overall prize for that game. And like I said, there's four games and there's five prizes in total. Why, is it, why do you reckon there's five? Because they meant to make more games? No. Because the winner of each game would compete in the grand oh. final. Okay. Ooh. For the oh, ultimate prize. It's, it's just like the wizard. It's just like the wizard. Um, yeah, so guys, the plan was to release a quartet of Sword Quest games, each based around one of the four elements. Help me out here. A fire, wind, and water. Someone's watched Captain Planet. <laughs> exactly. And the games were titled Earthworld. Fireworld, Waterworld, and Airworld. Airworld. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Waterworld before Kevin Costner. <laughs> oh, was it as good? We'll come to that later. <laughs> Each game, like I said, guys. There's no way it can be a bigger plot than Waterworld. Well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that in a minute. <laughs> but each game would come tied. Would have a comic book included. Now. These comics, I have to say, are very high quality. You know, I have to, I've had a quick scan of them online, and they look brilliant. And DC, you know, they know they know what they're doing. Rob, you're a fan. Well, I probably prefer Marvel, Ooh. but like this is early eighties, right? Oh um, yeah, yeah. Did we get? Did we did we get information on who wrote and drew the books? Uh, no. <laughs> Respected <laughs> uh, comic book artist. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We, we might come back to the names later. But these comics look awesome, and like I said, you buy the game, you get the comic, um, and of course the comic... Did they come together, or did you have to buy them separately? came together. Okay. So you came together, and obviously the comic will tell the story yeah, yeah. within the game, and it, it, I'll give you a bit more of the plot in a second. 
Um, but yeah, these comic books would hide clues as well. How cool is that? I mean, that is amazing. These comics have high clues. Uh, if you correctly deciphered, you could earn a player an entry into the final tournament. Um, do you want to hit? Do you want to run down the, the prizes? Yeah, cool. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. The, the winner of the Earthworld tournament would win the talisman of the penultimate truth. Penultimate is that? Yeah. And the Fireworld contest would award the chalice of light. The Waterworld winner would earn the crown of life, and the champion of Airworld would be awarded the Philosopher's Stone. Way before Harry Potter. <laughs> there we go. Way before. Um, I've actually pulled up who the uh, people there. Help us out. Uh, it was written by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, and illustrated by George Perez and Dick Giordano. Like, I know, like, looking around the circle, everyone has pretty blank faces here. Yeah. But um, basically, Thomas and Conway were both uh, really big in Marvel, like, around the kind of okay. 70s. Um... And George Perez, like huge kind of name in comic books, I did um, that name. Yeah. yeah, did a New Teen Titans in the eighties when it was literally the most like successful, biggest selling comic in wow. the world, pretty much. Well, I think I'm right on that. There you go. So you were right. Well, they're, <coughs> uh, so they're not they're not badly drawn comics. They're amazing. Some yeah, of the, some of the images are. are yeah, Perez did a uh, Wonder Woman as well. Um, yeah, Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway, kind of. Big names so they didn't just farm it out to the. Well, no, these are genuinely yeah. kind of like are you, big names. Are you a bit surprised that Atari took this content so seriously? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, these prizes that it's ran for, these these aren't these are gold. These are mm-hmm. solid gold with diamonds, uh, gems encrusted. These are, like I said, worth twenty five thousand pounds each. How much are they worth now? I've done the maps. Uh, I've done <laughs> the maps. Before I tell you the maps, yes. there was we've spoke about the four prizes here. And obviously, the, oh, yeah. what the, the, the ultimate will, prize. The, what would reckon the final prize would be? Is it some kind of sword? It is the sword. Yeah. Do you guess. What do you reckon the sword is? Excalibur. Close. <laughs> it's called Conan's sword. So yeah, in, no. so these four, so the four winners of these four games would then compete in a final. And if they won, they'd win the sword of ultimate sorcery. And I've seen pi- these existed. These five prizes existed. I've seen pictures. They look incredible. They're not, not cheap things you can buy in pound, man. I'm talking Does anyone end. know where any of them are now? We'll come to that later. <laughs> honestly, that, I've got... There's a bit of a, There's an interesting really story about that. that. Now, I've done the maths. I've done the... I looked at inflation. Right. 1982. Right. Now, $25,000... Sorry, $25,000, sorry. How much was that worth? Obviously, that's... In 1982, how much do you reckon that would be worth in, in today's money? One hundred fifty to 200000 No. I use I use an online calculator for this. I hope it's accurate. High or low? It's a, little, it's a bit low. It's quite a bit low, actually. Cool. I've got here sixty-two thousand. Hmm. Really, that low? Yeah. Um, but they still sixty-two thousand dollars. And obviously, that oh, I didn't tell you this, but the sword is worth five, uh, fifty thousand. Wow. Fifty thousand. That is actually worth around one hundred twenty-four thousand dollars in today's money. How crazy is that? Um, are you ready for the plot mm. of Sword Quest? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm going to kick off with like a sort of quote, the kind of opening of the game. It's a bit like sort of, it's a poem as such, but of you're course. just like, you ready for this? Come questing with bold siblings twain, prime thieves of ravished earth. Next journey to the fire world, land of volcano's birth. Waves without number, water's realm. But where or evil's there? Last why the heirs. Wins heaven high to claim a prize most rare. 
So they're D and D fans. That sounds quite D and ish. Now I've got a sort of simpler plot than that. I don't think many people can decide what that plot is. <laughs> but the, the simple plot for the kind of overview of Sword Quest, basically, you follow, uh, you control two twins called Tara and Tor. Tara and Tor, and their parents were slain by King Tyrannosaurus. Tyrannosaurus. Tyrannus. Tyrannus. <laughs> Thor was slain. I always Tyrannosaurus. They weren't killed, they were slain. They were <laughs> slain. slain. By their guards, by the guards, by the way. Prompted by a prophecy by the king's wizard, Conjuro, that the twins would slay uh, Tyrannus himself. So he's always defending himself, isn't he? So, you know, but here we are. The twins were then raised as commoners by thieves to avoid being slain by the king. So these thieves took him in, raised as commoners. When they go to plunder Conjuro's sea, uh, sea keep, they accidentally reveal their identities to him. So, yeah. not the smartest tools in the shed, it seems. <laughs> uh, the twins then start running from a demon summoned to kill them, but it appears that a jewel they stole attracts it. After smashing the stone to avoid the demon, two of Tyrannus's old advisors appear and tell the two about the sword of ultimate sorcery and the talisman of penultimate truth. They are then transported into Earth world. Can I ask a question that might seem irrelevant? But <laughs> yeah. Are they identical twins? I don't know the answer to that. Because, like, why would you have identical twins as a lead character? They're basically the same character. Why would you have two when you can have one? Well, I've played, the, different I've played a few of these games. I haven't played all of them, and you realise what I was saying. <laughs> so they can make two of the same sprites. Well, the thing is, when you play... Look, all right. When you play the game, you just basically control one character. So you hardly, I don't really see the two people. <laughs> so they just did one set of drawings and then said, they're twins. Maybe you just have two lives in the game. Maybe, maybe. Um, do you want a bit more background information about the first the first game now, Earthworld? Yes. That's right. Released in October 1982. Um, so yeah, guys, you know, I, I played on the Retro Pies. You know, it's an Atari 2600 game, it's blocky. But, you know, it's not... It's, it's a proper adventure sort of game. You're... You're jumping over platforms and getting through certain areas, it, you know, it's not really my cup of tea. And if I'm being honest, um, yeah, you, well, look, in the game, you move through a series of rooms, each one corresponding to a zodiac sign. To the zodiac sign. Hmm. And the idea is you had to place specific items. If you go to different rooms, you had to place specific items in certain rooms, and if you put them in the correct order, you would get a clue. And that clue would link to the comic book. So, for example, if you if you leave the grappling hook in the cancer room and the rope in the Leo room, you would reveal the number clue 25-6. What do you think that might decide from the comic book? Page 25? Yeah. Panel 6. Panel, panel six, six, exactly. Yeah. If you, and guys, spoiler alert, if you get the comic books, if you go to panel 25-6, you, you, you'll see a, a hidden word in the image. You have to look a bit carefully. It's kind of upside down. And not the most interesting word here, but the word hidden in this particular panel was the. So <laughs> <laughs> but you have never have guessed that. <laughs> but you have to get the correct words. You have to find all the words to make the right sentence. Critic. Now, there were ten different words hidden in this game. Ten different words in fifty-two pages. Um, but the contest—if you want to apply to get get into the sort of sort of—I call it a semi-final, really. You know, in the Earth World contest, Atari, you had to find five words. So I thought there must be a lot of people that managed to find all ten. You had to actually find the right five. Do you reckon there's a random chance? Yes. No. Because if you read the intro carefully of the comic, the, 
they, they, there's a nice introduction of it, and there's two words, a slightly different colour from the rest of the fonts. The words are prime and number. Mm. Yeah, not, oh, not right okay. next to each other, so prime and number. So you have oh, to find yeah. the, the prime number, the pages and the prime number. So, you, again, I might be spoiling this a little bit, but you want to hear the correct phrase. If you've got this correct phrase, mm. you send it off to Atari, and you would then have a chance to compete in the kind of semi-final to win Earthworld. So, oh, how long did uh, did you have to find these words? How long did this contest run? Um, that's a good, I think that the tournament, the Earthworld tournament, happened in 1983. So, four years no, after? No, 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 1982, so about a year. Oh, okay. So, you know. The correct phrase to get you through to the semi-final was quest in tower, talisman found. Um, that was the correct phrase. Um, and if you, if, you, if you set off the wrong phrase, if you got, you know, um, three or four of the correct answers, you would become the wise warrior. If you got one or two of the right answers, you're a brave venturer. But if you got the correct answer, you were a supreme sage of sorcery. And nice. if, you were, if you were a supreme sage of sorcery, well done. You've made it to the sort of in-house sort of semi-final to compete for the first uh, for treasure. Can you say that very fast, supreme sage of sorcery? No, <laughs> supreme sage I can't. Of sorcery. How many... Neither can you. How many copies of the game... How many copies of Earthbird were sold, do you think? That's... It could be anything, like... Half a million. How many people... Um, actually submitted answers, not necessarily the correct answers. How many people do you think, half a million people got this game, how many people actually... Half of that. 250,000. 5,000. Is that all? I was just going to say 20. But 20? You were 20,000, but you were so high, I was like, <laughs> yeah, maybe it was more. I, just, I don't know. I, just, I thought the people that knew what was, you know, well, were really going to go for do it. Do you want to hear something even more? Gobs Why package. else did you buy that? Well, exactly. Yeah. But of the 5,000 people that actually put their sentences through, how many people... Actually got it hundred percent correct and we're allowed to go through. I find this shocking. This number. Perhaps. So, oh, okay, so well, I'm told. What's what, what the original number? You five thousand. Five thousand people put in a sentence. And he finds it shocking. I'm going to say maybe ten. That's very close. Eight. Eight oh. correct answers. Wow. And is this to do with the prime number thing? Yeah. So oh, I don't think a lot of people. Saw, I think because it's the if first that happened now, they'd have been like people have been up in arms. Well, <laughs> the internet wasn't really around the outrage. Yeah, but but. Yeah, so the competition, the tournament happened in May of 1983, so a little bit after it was released. And the tournament was held at Atari headquarters in good old California. And each of the eight players was given a specifically programmed version of Earthworld to complete in under 90 minutes. Sure, we need to find one of these people so we can interview them for our game mm. attack. I've tried to do a little bit of digging around. I've, tried to, I've got a couple of names, but it's hard to find them. Yeah. Honestly, mm. it might become clear later on, maybe they're hard to find, but... You're right, that'd be a great interview, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, so there's a, so obviously the developers, they're all playing at the same time, I'm assuming. They, whoever can complete this specially adapted version of Earthworld in 90 minutes, or whoever can complete it first gets the prize. Um, Stephen Bell. Stephen Bell was the first ever winner. He was unemployed, a 20-year-old from Detroit, and he took home the victory, and he completed the game in 46 minutes. And he was given... Talisman, a penultimate truth. This lovely kind of shield, a little sword, a little sword attached, more of a decorative sword. It looks absolutely incredible. It was made of 18 karat gold, 12 diamonds, and the birthstones of the 12 zodiac signs embedded in it. How awesome would that be to win that? Oh, that's cool, isn't it? Do you want some sad news, though? Well, you said it. Uh, at the time, obviously... Uh, He's unemployed, dude. He's well, that's what I'm thinking. Did he sell it straight he, away? He, I have actually had issues with him. I have had. He's, oh, right. You know, he, you know, I 
don't blame him in the way. He had taxes to pay, he had debts to pay off. He actually sold, he melted it down, he sold the, the plate. He, he kept the little sword. Oh, well. he, he kept knows. the little sword apparently as a keepsake. The little attached sword. Yeah. yeah. Stephen, what? Well, yeah, rough, you know, some, some tough times. Um, but there's also. Surely, surely is a, a, a complete unit rather than melting it down. Well, oh, Reagan's America. Do you know what? He kept the little sword as an emblem. That's pretty good. But do you want to hear an even sadder twist of the oh, tale? Apparently, the sword was stolen. The little sword was stolen from him. So he's got nothing now. I mean, he's got the he's got, <laughs> he's got, he's got, he's got just, the memories. Well, I want to get. I want to. It's what a great story that being talked to him. But mm. you know, fair enough. I don't know. He might be incredibly touchy about it now. Might find it really distressing. That's a bit, of a, a bit of a sad end to the first game, it but is, luckily, yeah. luckily, luckily, you know what to do. <laughs> you know what to do. Do you know what? What's weird? Before this competition, actually, the, the overall contest took place, Fireworld had already been released about a month or two prior. Uh, Fireworld did well. Fireworld was released in February 1983, and it's a very, very sort of similar-looking game. Obviously, there's fire elements within the game. Obviously. Um, so yeah, it's already been on the on the shelves about three months uh, since the, the tournament had happened, and obviously they they kind of got the gist of the game by now, and, and they knew the sort of mystery elements. So, uh, but but the map the map was placed uh, on on the on the house of the zodiac. Um, well, no, sorry, it wasn't based on the house of the zodiac. It was based more on the tree of life from Kabbalah. Mm, Pretty cool, okay. eh? So it's very spiritual kind of you know. And, and I'll talk more about the person who made this game later on. But fair play to him. Again, the same sort of gameplay, players put items in specific rooms, get the right clues, and sort of decipher the comic book. Um, again, ten words were hidden. They had to get the five correct words. Um, and the sort of clue, the sort of clue, again, in, in the sort of comic book at the start was the word seven. And in the introduction, you can find this sort of in different fonts. Um, and obviously, you had to, you found ten words throughout the, throughout the pages. And the pages had... To, with the right clues, one sort of linked to page uh, with the number seven. So on page 16, one plus six equals seven. Do you understand that? Yeah. So it's quite a t- I mean, I wouldn't have got that as a kid. So mm-hmm. That would be too hard for me. Um, the winning phrase was, for Fireworld, leads to chalice, power abounds. That was the winning phrase you had to submit. Um, what do you think the response was this time? Can I ask, how many copies did this, uh, uh, this one? So? I, don't, I think it was a similar number. I think it was very popular as well. Similar number. I, I don't know the exact number to file I'm afraid. See, in order to kind of know that, we have to know how well everything... Like, I mean, was there a lot of big publicity around the first contest? I think that was huge. I think that was, um, you know, it was, you know, it was when we were very young, we obviously won't remember it, but I think it was very big news. I want to say maybe it went up to about 12... Second well, for the correct answer, yes. Well, do you know what? The, the, they had seventy-three correct answers. Hmm. Now that I reckon that shook the tar a little bit. So mm. that's not really a manageable number. Yeah, they had to whittle that down, and they actually fair play to them, they whittled down to fifty, and I think that's pretty good going. Yeah, so they had to get rid of about twenty-three. What people. They do? How, like, they... how would you whittle it down? I, yeah, know, I, don't I know how they do it. How would you suggest? How uh... make it really hard to get to the actual uh, event. Good. So you add another element. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear? Such, you know, I want to hear everyone say some, some kind of discrimination. This is like a great oh, kind of psychological question. I want to know what everyone around the circle answers to this. How I mean, would you? How would you? Or how should you? Well, I'm trying. I'm just because I'm trying to think of how they did it. Down, but... Did they keep track of when they received everyone's? No, 
Oh, well, maybe, but that wasn't part of the... So it wasn't... That would be far too fair. First come, first serve. Yeah. No, no. He's a fair person. I'm I'm a vengeful pacifist (laughs) person, clearly. Kev, how would you do it if you were Atari? I would do it. I'd give 73 people the chance to do it. (laughs) He's too nice. This is such... Like, three completely different answers. Do you want the actual answer? Yes. They asked all 73 people to submit a written answer, and they had to explain, why did you like the game... And then from that, they got mm. the best 50 answers. So Atari are worse than probably all of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. And they got this magic 50. They got this magic 50 point. Why would you pick 50? Yeah, why would you pick that? It's like 10 or something. Yeah. Well, if you're going to do, if you, if you're going to do 50, you might, might as well do 70. It's true. It's true. But uh, the, the tournament was finally held. It must have taken ages to do this. It was finally held in January 1984. And... Um, yeah, just like before, they had a specially programmed game of Fireworld. Uh, I think it's the same sort of thing, you know, 90 minutes. Um, and the winner, the winner of Fireworld is a man called Michael Rideout. And he was from Aiken, South Carolina, and he beat the game in 50 minutes. Um, and actually, the reason, he, I think he says in the interview, the reason he was pretty good at it, because he knew a lot about the Tree of Life and the sort of maze uh, from his dabbling in tarot cards. There you go. There you go, interesting. Um, and he won, because he won Fireworld, he won the Chalice of Light. Uh, sort of a cup made of gold, uh, platinum, studded with diamonds, rubies, sapphires and pearls. Wow. Your pimp cup. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Again, I've seen pictures. They look, it does look beautiful. It's not a cheap thing. It looks awesome. Please tell me this wasn't melted down as well. Almost the exact same words I was about to say. <laughs> Do you want the good news? Yes. The last, the last sort of known nodding back cup, he still owns it. He owns his cup. That's he, good. He, I think he puts that it in a safe, a safe in a bank. Excellent. You know, but he's still yeah, got I mean, it. No, yeah. fair play to him. So it'd be really great to talk to both of them and get both their stories. Mm. But fair play to... Yes, if you're listening, either or both of you, get in touch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair play. Um, that takes us on to Waterworld. Which is by far the best in the, uh, best in the series. <laughs> Kevin's Gates. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Kevin Costner. Uh, up to his old tricks again. Now, Waterworld was released in 19, uh, February 1984. So, again, similar to when the tournament took place. Now, this is where the tournament gets a little bit iffy. This is where things go a little bit south very quickly, unfortunately. And I don't like, you know, I, I wish I could change history, but I can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've all felt like that. I think you was holding you personally responsible. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Waterworld was the third and unexpectedly Final ever no. instalment of the Sword Quest tournament. Well, the Air World. We'll come to this. We'll, we'll, oh, come, to this. Prizes. we'll come to that. Oh, I've got a bit more to chuck at you. Um, no. Do you know what? And I think at this time things were getting looking bad for Atari. You know, why? Why was it a bad time oh, for Atari? They were burying games e. desert by the sport. E. Yeah. And do you know what? <coughs> they, yeah. I, the great video game crash yeah. in 1983. Exactly. Yeah. Now. Waterworld was still made, the comic was still made, the game was still made. It was released, but limited numbers. And it was a very limited release. Uh, it was given to official Atari Club members. So you had to send off it and mail through the post. And it wasn't obviously as big a bigger deal. I think Atari was just trying to kind of ease off a little yeah. bit. You know? Um, for Waterworld, the layout uh, was about um, basing the seven spiritual chakras, popular, popular in the New Age belief. Um, so it's a really small map. I mean, it's only eight rooms in total, so a smaller game, smaller map. Uh, but again, the clues pointed to the comic book, and you had to decide for the words. So the, the, the winning 
descendants would be interested in is hasten toward revealed crown. So obviously the prize would be the crown. Um, look, if you got Waterworld from getting it off the system, off the mail system for Tara, if you, if you deciphered the puzzles and you sent it in the right world, um, well, unfortunately, if you did submit it, you were told you didn't qualify for the contest any longer and the crown of life was never all was it made? All, all, all made. five were made. There are, there's physical evidence, photos mm. of all five. So no one got the crown or the... Ah, or... or what was it? There, there, there's a little twist about Ooh. Waterworld. Okay. The official line is the competition never went ahead. But, I'll come to it later on, that maybe there's a little, there's a little bit of a conspiracy, conspiracy theory about this. <laughs> it's quite interesting. So officially Waterworld didn't really go ahead. I'll give you a sort of... Maybe a slightly different angle in a minute. Did they compensate the gamers at all? Well, I'll come to this in a minute, okay? Because again, it's, it's, it's hazy. It's hazy. And I'll, I'll finish off Airworld first. I'll finish off Airworld first. Airworld was never, ever, ever released. Never, ever released. Was it made? I think early, early versions. Apparently, there's there's two kind of prototypes out there. Some that they never resurfaced. Whether they're still around or they're ever made, yeah. that we'll never know. Um, the, the structure of Airworld, the room structure, was going to be based uh, upon the I Ching, I Ching, which apparently is a oh, yeah. fake. You, you know this? Yeah, my mum's really into it. Okay, which correct me if I'm wrong. Is a famous ancient Chinese manuscript? I think or? it's kind of it has to do with coins and stuff. And okay. um, I don't know the details, but yeah, it's to do with like uh, it's a big mystical kind of thing. This late sixties, seventies. Uh, it was all planned out. That the comics, um, I don't know if you were ever made, but it was kind of planned out. And of course, the winner of Airworld was supposed to receive the Philosopher's Stone. Wow. And this stone had a large piece. It's a really interesting uh, thing, actually. It's got white jade encased in 18 karat gold box encrusted with diamonds, emeralds, citrines, rubies. Um, again, $25,000. Philosopher's right? Stone sounds really uncommercial. Catch on. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, let's, let's try and finish the tournament how it should have been. There, there should have been a planned final. So, obviously... It should have been a big final between the winner of Airworld, and they would, they, they would face off with the winner of Bell, Rideout, and whoever won the Waterworld contest for the grand prize. And the grand prize was obviously, obviously the sword. And this sword, I'll tell you what, it's amazing. It's got a gold handle encrusted with jewels. The, the blade was made out of pure silver. Uh, again, it looks awesome. It looks absolutely incredible, you know? Um, but... Obviously, if you were, if you were right, you know Michael or uh, uh, you know right out and Bell, would you be happy about this over competition mm-hmm. on heads? Um, you were promised no. that you were going to the grand final. What do you reckon Atari did? Um, I think that's a good question. Like they already had a maid. I don't see why they just go ahead with it. Have the final team, the two of them. You know what? That's not a bad answer, actually. Um, didn't do that. But there's uh, there's what. Three prizes left? Yeah. Two contestants? Yeah. I think we have the head of Atari was, just got the crown and the sword. And what was the other prize? Do you know Lost what? the sword. Just... Went, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what happened though? Go on. Uh, to, to, keep, to keep the two winners of Fireworld and Earthworld quiet, they were both given $15,000. You know, it's all, you know, it all compensation. Wow. And an Atari 7800. As a prize. So compensation, because they knew they couldn't compete for the uh, Sword of Ultimate Sorcery. I think they were quite happy with that. You know, you could argue you could take them to court, but I suppose it kept them quiet, you know? 
when, and they were only going to get the opportunity to play for it. That's right. So 15 grand cash, boom. Hold on, they kept hold of 75,000 pounds worth of prizes and gave out 30 plus to Ataris, which probably cost them a bit. It's true. So. Well, no, at the time, Atari were in the real gutter, so it would have been a lot of money from the show even back then. Two seven eight hundred. Oh, I guess the rest of the, the money. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, there are. I guess we can hear the rest. Of this, we, we, yeah, this is not facts. This is rumours. This is conspiracy theories. Um, but well, we know um, there's there's lots of arguments why the cancellation of the tournament happened. It was mainly because of the crash. Um, and actually, during the crash, anyone heard Jack Tramell before? Yeah. He, he bought Atari at a yeah. very low price. He I don't know Jack Tramiel. He's an interesting character. He, he died, I think, in 2012. Commodore. Yeah, yeah, to a Commodore. I think he's a, he's got mixed... Uh, oh, yeah, he's got a reputation. He's got a reputation. Yeah. But he saw Atari as a good acquisition at a low mm. price. And, um, again, I think he took over Atari and said, what is this competition? It's far too much money. Let's just not bother with it. Um, yeah, he, he, got, he owned all the intellectual rights of Atari then. So there are strong rumours um, that he actually owns, or his family owns, uh, the, 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 the hidden treasures. There are eyewitness accounts, no photography, unfortunately. Yeah. There are eyewitness accounts that he had it on his mantel, the sword on his mantelpiece in his, uh, his home, <laughs> or in his office. We've got different opinions, yeah, yeah. different things. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Waterworld, because apparently, legally... Because they released Waterworld, they had to do the competition. Again, this can't be verified. Mm. Um, but apparently, there are rumours that the crown of life has been awarded to the winner of Waterworld. So again, I don't know for certain. Um, they had to hold a very secret tournament, um, and the winner's never been revealed. So under contract, apparently, Warner was obliged to complete the contest of Waterworld because players had submitted the correct answers. Um, and the game was obviously sold to public then There's as well. There's no, no numbers. No, no one knows who no. won. Whether, whether it even went ahead, it's yeah. not sure. Yeah, this sounds really shifty. 50 people and not one of them has said, said anything. Mm. Well, like, apparently there was 10 people for Waterworld. But did you not say that all of the uh, people who submitted were told that they weren't eligible? To that was what was given. See, so again, where did these 10 people come from? I, we don't know for certain. Whether Maybe they just picked a random 10 that did get it right and wrote to everyone else to say, oh, sorry, you didn't qualify. Maybe. Or maybe they just picked some people they liked. And, uh... Well, look, we don't know if this happened or not. I'd love to know. Wouldn't you love to be a fly in the wall? Mm. Can you imagine it, if, if, you, if you won that award, the Water World, uh, the crown? Can you imagine if you came out tomorrow and said, I've got the crown? You'd be famous, wouldn't you? I'd wear it all the time. You would. How heavy it was. <laughs> yeah. I'd have permanent neck damage just to go around with a proper crown on my head all the time. I, I have to say the injustice of this contest is making me angry right now, given that it was happened over 30 years ago. I think that's what it rationally It's right. a 30-year contest. You would get people to call you sire, wouldn't you? You would. Um... Look, obviously, Airworld was never released. So obviously, there was no competition for that. Um, so it sounds like there's at least two treasures out there. Two treasures. So the Philosopher's Stone and the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery uh, also thought to be lost. But again, they might have been destroyed. Apparently, there's also rumours they've been melted down. They've been melted down and just turned back into gold and whatnot, you know? Uh, but like I said, guys, the popular myth is that the remaining prizes uh, were including Tramel's purchase of Atari. And that he held on to them specifically. I think he was a big fan of the sword, apparently. <laughs> well, who wouldn't be? Yeah. Now, I, I didn't mention the people that, or the, there's a couple of people here, but the, the main person behind these games was a, was a lovely guy called Todd Fry. And do you know what? I've got in contact with Todd. Hey. 
And he's he's promised to give. Well, he's he's already given me a few answers to questions. There's more to come apparently. And he's um, yeah, he's he's gonna hopefully very soon you'll see a lovely interview that takes into your arcade attack. So this guy, you know, he also made Pac Man and the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. He's a big player, you know, mm. big Atari legend. And I asked him. Uh, there are strong rumours that the free prizes, the crown, philosophers of stone and sword that were never awarded remain in the possession of Jack Trammell's family. Do you have a good idea where these famous prizes are now? And which prize would you most love to own? I'll ask you that question in a minute. You can have all five, any of the all five, by the way. Um, but here's his answer. He said, I have no idea at the dis- disposition of the lost uh, sword quest prizes. None at all. And the prize I would most love to own would be the Philosopher's Stone. Philosophers, because the re- realisation of the alchemical quest would be ascendant. That's clever, right? I can't, you know, fair play to him. Um, apparently, he's given un- other interviews in the past where he said he thinks he's owned by the Trammell family, but he's not certain. Um, he's promised to answer a few other questions about the quest. I can't wait to see what he's, he's going to mm. say about it, but... What, what a legend. It's a shame he doesn't own some of them, you could argue. But I think the ultimate shame is that it didn't go to gamers. Would you agree? It is a shame yeah. that the whole thing didn't finish. Yeah. Didn't come to an end like it should have. It's a great idea, though, I yeah. think. Like, yes. I don't think there are enough of those kind of treasure hunt kind of things around now. Mm. I would say, being South African, I kind of moved over here early 90s. Like, there is this kind of thing. Um, the main, like, Sunday newspaper they called, I think it was Sunday Times, or some kind of Sunday newspaper... Mm an annual thing where they would have, um, like, I think there was kind of six in a row, like, consecutive weeks, where they would do this, like, huge, like, kind of double spread with all these, like, kind of clues on, mm. and, um, like, but, and some were red herrings, but basically you had to analyze this page, like, incredibly detailed, like, page of, like, various images and pictures and, like, kind of features, mm. you know, like, that, um, the London Underground Stations thing that came out a couple of years ago online? Where there are like all these like kind of symbols, and each one was like a symbol for an underground okay. station. Okay, yeah. Do you know right. what I mean? Okay. Anyway, oh, like say for instance, um, there'd be kind of a thing of Queen Victoria would be in like this kind of landscape picture they're done, and that would represent Victoria. Okay. There'd be like civil crosses. One would be like really plush, and that would be New Cross. Like there'd be one of the crown on top, which would be King's Cross, and so yeah. on. Okay. So, uh, it was okay, that yeah, kind of okay. thing. And there were six consecutive ones. Six on consecutive weeks, and each one would kind of narrow down to where this treasure was. And whoever found the treasure, like, would get like ten or half a month, I don't know, a big cash prize. Wow. Wow. It wasn't the sword, though, was it? No, it wasn't the sword, but you could probably, but you could probably buy a sword. That yeah. but I, I love the idea of it. I love like, the idea that I do as well. Yeah, a kind of treasure hunt with yeah. symbols. It's so good. Why does anyone do that? I think Atari was headed. Well, I think it's such a great thing. It's such a shame that it's properly fish. I felt, it just shows you Atari in their heyday were, were, were the real market leaders. They, they, oh, yeah. you know, it's a shame what's happened to Atari. We can talk about it another day, I'm sure. Oh, what a great story. Atari. <laughs> I know, no, you have to admit, they've got some great ideas. First the Jaguar and now this. It's like, <laughs> you're in an abusive relationship with Atari. I know, love hate. Alright, here we go. If you could choose any of those five prizes, I know one's worth more than the other four, I appreciate it, but if you could choose one, what would you choose out of those five? It's copying the sword, isn't it? Sword yeah, or the crown? Yeah, I like the crown. Rob can have the crown. We have to cut the sword. Would a sword made of silver be more or less lethal than one made of steel? Oh, good question. Good for fighting um, werewolves, though. <laughs> 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 good point. 
somehow could resurrect this and try and finish it once for all is there any way they could honour honour the, the, the original game and I don't know release it do they still do Atari still exist well sort of <laughs> not, <laughs> no, no way the same as they used really. to there's the companies still there sort of in terms of intellectual they could yes. well, exactly, pull yeah. out those prizes from uh, what's his face's house and uh, <laughs> open it up to, uh, to more gamers <laughs> it's unconfirmed whether he actually owns it yeah, yeah it's not okay, we don't know for certain we don't know um, I'll just finish off with a couple bits of trivia about the game I think it's a lovely bit of trivia apparently the sounds from Sword Quest uh, Earthworld the first game was actually used in the 2002 film Solaris starring George Clooney just see and the, the, okay. apparently the sounds are used to represent the spaceship breaking up. So apparently, weird, eh? Mm. It's a nice little fact. Um, I, I love this sign. This is kind of a little resurrection for this. In February um, last year, Dynamite Entertainment, not quite DC to be fair, but they, they've announced they're making a new comic book based on Sword Quest. But here's the quite interesting thing about it. It's not actually based on the actual. It's based on the actual contest, the Atari contest, ah, not the actual okay. sort of fantasy land. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it will, it will feature the story of a person who had played all the three Swordless games when they were when they were younger and was anticipating Airworld. Now, as an adult, he continues his efforts to play Airworld using his old Atari hardware. Um, how cool is that? I love the way Keith used the word. There's a like. You you're on the third date with someone and you're going to like, you're going to their stand up routine. <laughs> How was it? Interesting. What comic would you rather read then? The new comic based on the game people, or would you like the, the original? I'd like to read the original comic. Obviously, original. Yeah. Well, I, don't know. I think the story of, of of the comic book concert is probably more interesting <laughs> than the original. Possibly. Well, you're just trying to find clues. But look, I think if you're trying to find clues at the time when you were involved in the contest. One thing, mm. but the contest is come and gone now, yeah. And the story of the contest is what's beautiful, yeah. I could have disagreed with you, Kev, just because <laughs> the, the personnel the, on the original comic, which I've been looking up while we have been doing this because I wasn't sure about it. George Perez, like, did like this kind of thing while he's working on New Teen Titans, wow, like up there with the biggest selling comics in like the world at mm. the time. It's kind of still massively highly acclaimed. He did a Crisis on Infinite Earths, the DC from the 80s. That kind of reset the whole DC universe. Like one of the like first big crossovers in comics, along with Secret Wars, and um, like the other two. Basically, uh, Roy Thomas like worked for the Avengers. George Perez like drew the Avengers. But uh, Roy Thomas created Ultron. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. and okay. the Vision. Okay. Wow. And Jerry Conway. That's some pedigree. Wrote for Spider Man for a while. Did uh, the whole Gwen Stacy death. Thing. Oh wow! Okay, and created another very uh, like highly sought after Marvel character who made his debut in the pages of Spider Man in the seventies. Can anyone guess who it might have been? Venom. Uh, no, that was nineties. It was Tom McFarlane. Um, seventies. a clue on that one, I think. 
Uh, someone who was originally an anti-hero slash villain is still kind of an anti-hero. He has three films. Uh, the Punisher? Yes, correct. Uh, oh, Dolph Lundgren. Wow. Was? He was, he the, was first the first movie Punisher. And the only one in my life. <laughs> oh! Charles <laughs> Jane came after that. But no, the best one is um, Punisher Warzone. Yeah. One of the best comic books and I would say li- film adaptation. That's literary true. adaptations ever. It's great fun. In right? terms of pure accuracy, it is the comic book. Mm. There you go. There you go. I, well, I want to read the original comic. There's two types of Sword Quest comics you can read. Sport for choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. We, we have, there's only one so far. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've so very much enjoyed hearing the story about Bethesda. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I have played the games. I've had a quick on at Earthworld and Firewall, and they've aged. Obviously, they've aged. Mm. And he, he, I didn't have the comics in front of me. It didn't really make too much sense. I obviously knew what I was trying to do, but didn't really quite. So the games probably don't have much replay ability, especially if you're trying to get into the main con- contest anymore. Um, but the whole story is amazing. It is an interesting story. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Maybe one day... It's an ambitious idea. Maybe one day, four, four of those treasures will, 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 see, will reappear in front of our eyes. You never know. Well, one of them was melted down, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Well, guys, there you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed the story of Sword Quest, and, and don't forget to look out for that uh, future interview with Todd Fry. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at UK at Keith Barlow 82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.